Hey, I hope you guys have enjoyed this CrossFit series. Have you enjoyed this series? Yes, awesome. Um, so hey, I, I, Uni did such a great job talking about Easter on the weekend. I do wanna just throw out one more thing. First of all, I can't believe next weekend is Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter weekend. Um, I hope you really will um, consider attending, inviting, and serving one. If everybody will serve a, a, a service, then I think we can accommodate the, uh, the influx of people that we anticipate. Also, wanna point out specifically, the Saturday night at five o'clock is going to be our service for the masked section. So if you have not heard that anywhere else, if you're looking for a masked area, it's gonna be these two sections. Saturday at five, you'll still come in through the same doors. All the, the volunteers will be masked. And so for those of you who are high risk or you need that Saturday at five, or if you know somebody that is that wants that, that's going to be our Saturday night at five o'clock as well. And um, you got lots of options, Easter egg hunts, all kinds of things. And we look forward to seeing you and, and whoever you decide to bring if you're going to make it um, next weekend. And just remember what we talked about with our For Everyone vision. 133,000 people in our town don't have a place to call home at church. So uh, most people you would invite We'll probably say yes because they're not going anywhere else. So let's be bringers, amen. Um, all right, so we are finishing up our CrossFit series, and this has been uh, a great journey. And I'm really, really pumped about what we have today. Uh, we've, and I want to say this before I bring up Coach Eric. Uh, uh, I'm just really proud of my church. Uh, we, never, we never pushed it. We never made it an agenda. But a lot of you have taken this opportunity to get a little bit more serious about your health. Um, some of you have joined gyms. You've taken some of the nutrition steps. Uh, we, that was not the intended consequence of this. But as your pastor, I just want to say I'm proud of you. And I'm so thrilled for those of you. And I'm cheering you on uh, because uh, that's just a really, really important thing. And again, we chose CrossFit because CrossFits are all about the workout of the day, the WOD. And so we're each week going to look at a WOD. And then we get the word of the day as well. And so... Um, um, we got one more session with Coach Eric as he talks to us about health, nutrition, balance, being the best version of ourselves. So Coach Eric, come on up here and why don't you tell us what you got for us um, this week? I know it's nice, right? Awesome. So I happen to know that you have something special for us this week. Uh, and so why don't you talk to us about what you, what I, from what I understand, you would call maybe the most important aspect of taking care of yourself. Absolutely. So how about no goals this week? Woo. No goals. Take it, amen. There we go. No goals. Okay. All right. We're not going to, you know, this week's not about pinning it down and saying, okay, well, hey, this is what we need to do on our nutrition. This is what we have to do on our fitness. I want to take a step back and find out where that journey is and where my passion lies and, and what I value and what I hope uh, it, it, it makes you value as well is not what the results you're going to get and what could actually happen, but why you're going to do it, Right. So you can go into that scripture of First, uh, first Corinthians in 6, right? 19 and 20. You got it right there. Boom, right? Let it sink in, right? Do you not know? I mean, obviously, we see it all in the Bible about how we're supposed to honor our bodies. But right here, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you've received from God? You are not your own. And this is something that you see that it really resonates to go, okay, I want to treat this body like God wants me to because we're going to honor him through it. And that's really your why. Why do you want to be the healthiest version of yourself? You have kids, you have family, do you have spouse? Do you have employees or employers? And you want to know that you have that energy, that, that reduced stress, that ability to go through Disney if that's what you choose and you want to walk all day and know you're going to make it through. Or it's just a simple thing that you're going to mulch your yard or be able to be there in 20 years when, you know, your grandkids are there. So that's really the thing that I wanted to emphasize this week is all the pieces we've been putting together is now is your why. That's your homework. That's your wad. Every day this week is wake up and find out what your why is. And that's that 
every day, but that 1% is finding out what that why is and then let you take those steps that are necessary. And so what you would say is if we have the right why, that's gonna, what's gonna keep us in the game and when we don't feel like it or we're not motivated, when we know our bodies are those temples. And I think the next verse goes on to say what uh, honor, we're to honor God with our bodies, yeah. Um, Bought at a price. Yes. Let so, it sink in. So, so what you're, that's what you're encouraging us. And you've been in this for 30 years. And would you say that this is your why? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, because finding my why and having kids and understanding that it, it's totally different because we did touch on it that it's not about the look, the vanity piece that most fitness and nutrition programs are connected to. It's about your level of health which also means the level of life, the level that you can live that God's got planned for you. Because God's got big plans for you, and if you're the healthiest version of yourself, you can live those out to That's the good. fullest. That's a good word. That's a good word. So since there's no activity or workout, what Coach Eric's did for us is Sunday on our social media, he has three different 20-minute workouts you can do at home, no equipment, that are going to be posted on our Facebook, our Instagram. For those of you who are like, oh man, I was looking forward to what he had. He's going to put together some regiments of stuff he's introduced these last three weeks. And so you can look for that starting Sunday evening, I believe, Facebook, Instagram, Cape Christian. Uh, and if you're looking for something to do this week, he's going to give us three different workouts we can do at home without any of this stuff. Can we thank Coach Eric for all of his investment into us uh, throughout this series. And so as we've been saying every week, why, why CrossFit? Because uh, CrossFit's about physically being the best version of yourself, but Jesus wants you to be the best version of yourself, whole mind, body, spirit, and soul. And so we've been taking a word of the day and we've been building upon it. And I really believe that if you will apply and understand and live by these principles, even if you forget the words, you will find yourself as a growing, maturing believer who experiences the fullness of what God has for you on this side of eternity. And so a quick recap, if you weren't here, all of this is online. Um, but even if you were, it's been four weeks uh, with a pause in the middle. And so I want to just remember that first week we just talked about the, the most important wad is salvation. Salvation is literally just simply trusting God with your life. It's saying, I'm not gonna call the shots in my life. I understand that I have a creator who knows what I'm created for and I'm gonna trust his way to live versus me defining or choosing what I think is the best way to live. That's when we say, God, I'm gonna let you run the show. And then we move from that moment, from salvation, we begin this process called sanctification. Awesome big word, which is literally just the process of, of metamorphosis, uh, the process of becoming who God made you to be. That fullest version where some of our old habits, our old mindsets, some of our pain and some of our bad coping mechanisms and, and things that we used to think we're going to like kind of let those go. And we're going to adopt better ideas, better disciplines, better thought patterns. We're going to have better habits that help us emotionally, physically, spiritually, and all those things. That's the sanctification process. And then last week we talked about the key to the sanctification process is this word called conviction. Conviction is God regularly speaking to you that when you miss it, when you mess up, whether it's on the front end or back end, it's that hey voice that there's a better way. Conviction is literally being convinced of a better way. Often the Holy Spirit will do that before you're about to do something stupid. Most of us, if you're like me, you miss it in the moment and he reminds you on the back end, hey, that was still stupid, even though you decided to do that or hurtful. And so the conviction is, hey, there's a better way. And so this next one, this week, I'm really, really excited because what I'm going to introduce to you is so unbelievably simple. It's so simple. I'm not saying it's easy. It's so simple. And if you will do this, it will revolutionize and it will change your relationships. 
It will change the way you go about your life. It will revolutionize your spiritual journey. And we're, since it's the last week, we're gonna get a double wad. Um, as, as last week I said, conviction is absolutely the key to sanctification. Today is the now what? Because what we didn't talk about last week is once the Holy Spirit convicts me or I know I've blown it or I've messed up, what, like, is everything just okay? Do I have to like do a ritual? Do I need to kill a chicken? Do I need to say a prayer? Like what happens next? This is the now what, when you know you've blown it, when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes, you're like, now what do I do? This is that. And so it's two things that always have to go together. And so we get a double word of the day because they kind of go together. And I'm gonna teach you uh, these. And today's wad, as we finish out salvation, sanctification, uh, conviction. And then today we're gonna talk about confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. And these are central. These are central to the life God has for us. These two ideas right here have become foreign somewhat, even within the body of Christ within church. But I can promise you, if you will listen and you will implement this, you will see so much more life in your relationships. And I, I can actually, I, I, I will guarantee you that because the word of God is true. This will help you avoid a whole bunch of shame, a whole bunch of guilt, and a whole bunch of awkwardness and tension in relationships for a long time that don't need to be there because it's almost like God knew we couldn't get out of our own way. It's almost like he knew we were daily going to blow it. And so rather than live and wallow in that, he gave us a way to continue to be right with him and be right with others. And so these two things, and here's our takeaway for this whole message. Uh, and it's gonna be short. It's gonna be really simple. It's gonna be so simple. And I just pray that you would do it. But confession and repentance are the key or are key to maintaining, say maintaining, a healthy soul. Maintaining. Confession and repentance are how you are going to maintain a healthy, vibrant life, giving life and soul. And so um, we're gonna get into it. And before we do that, I just wanna pray really briefly because I think, um, I think some of you are gonna walk out of here in a lot better shape than what you came in. Maybe some of you watching you're gonna be liberated from some stuff after this if you will allow the word of God to sink into us. And so Heavenly Father, I just come before you on behalf of everybody watching around the world and everybody sitting in this worship center. God, I don't know the, the, the stories that came in here, but here's what I do know. I know that there are probably people who are here that are exhausted. There's people who are carrying or carried all kinds of things through these doors that their lives, their minds, their hearts are weighted down with. And I pray God in these next few moments, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the conviction and the convincing of the Holy Spirit, that you would give us the courage and help us to be brutally honest with ourselves. And God, we want, we're inviting, we're saying we want the freedom and the liberation that comes from being honest and vulnerable. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and agree. And everyone said, amen. amen. That's what's up. Anything like that. Yes, great. So we're going to look at a very short scripture in the very beginning, kind of towards the beginning of the Bible in the Old Testament. Without getting into the history of the Bible, what you need to know is most of the stuff that Jesus said or referenced in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's actually referencing from what is called the law of Moses or what the, Jewish call, the Jews call the Torah. We call it the Pentateuch, but it's those first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Many of the things are the principles and the, and, and the application of Jesus saying, this is not new. I'm just showing you the way that this works. And so often that, that is the case. So Jesus is often, often referencing the Old Testament and often 
Paul is referencing Jesus' application of the Old Testament. And so there's a connection throughout the Bible. It's, it's all connected. And so I'm gonna take you to a part where Moses, uh, Moses was the one who went on two different journeys for 40 days. He spent time on a mountain and God spoke to him as we understand it verbally. Two different times for 40 days. And he was literally laying out, here's the best way to live. And not just for you, but this is a win-win situation for everyone. And so there's all these download and Moses wrote it out. And so I wanna take you to the book of Numbers. If you, I'm gonna put it on the screen, but if you have your Bible or, or your app, and you wanna go there and see it with your own eyes and kind of dig into it. We're gonna be in Numbers chapter five, and this is God teaching his children as a loving father the best way to live, just like many of us parents are trying to do with our children. Are you with me still? Say yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's hear what it says. It says, the Lord said to Moses, Numbers five, starting in verse five. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, or say to the children of God, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord is guilty. Next verse. If they're guilty, they must confess the sin they have committed. Then they must make full restitution for the wrong they have done, add a fifth of the value to it, and give it all to the person who they have wronged. So God gives his people this unbelievably simple two-step process that as simple as it is, we have made it so hard to even wrap our minds around. And it was God's way of saying, I know you're going to wrong each other. And so I wanna help you rebuild that trust, rebuild that relationship. I want you to take care of each other. Remember righteousness in the Bible is being right with one another. Justice is elevating those who have been pushed down. And so he gives this scripture and he says a couple of things. So we're gonna jump back to verse six and we're just gonna just deconstruct these two scriptures for a couple of minutes. Um, so he says in verse six, it says, say, he who wrongs another in any way, say any way. This can mean you can even have a good intent, but it lands wrong. If you've wronged somebody or, or you in accidentally hurt somebody, he says, if you've wronged somebody in any other way, it's really interesting. He makes this connection you cannot make, that you cannot separate. He says, when you've done that, you are also unfaithful to who? Lord. The Lord. Well, so pastor, how do I get right with God? Get right with the people in our lives. Do this well. Because when we've wronged somebody else, we've wronged the Lord and it says we're guilty. Well, cue the, you know, price is right. You know, like, what do we do now? And so what he's saying is when I've done something wrong to something, somebody else, I've actually also been unfaithful to the Lord. And, and, and in the Hebrews mind and in scripture and throughout the Bible, we see this. And this is where as American Christians, we have to maybe separate a little bit of the individualism being forced by our culture and, and uh, embrace what the kingdom introduces to us throughout the life and teachings of Jesus and the Bible, which is that our relationship with each other is deeply intertwined with the God who made us both. In fact, I would say it to you this way, and when I learned this, it, it really helped my interactions. The way I treat you is reflective of how I feel about the God that created you. Think about that. The way I treat others reflects how I feel about the God who created them. So if I'm gonna run you down in my mind with my words, in my business, or if I'm just gonna mistreat you, that tells me that I don't really value the creator that created you. He doesn't know what he's doing. He really messed up with whatever this is right now. He got this part so right, but this part so wrong. You laugh, but that's what we do. And he says, when you do that, you've wronged another person and you've wronged us. 
And he's saying that our relationship with God is so intertwined with how I treat other people. And this is why so, this is why so much later that the author James, the half brother of Jesus says, this is why he says, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. It's not possible. He's like, it's not possible. You're like, I love Jesus and y'all are stupid and I hate you and y'all can like die and go to A, you know where. <laughs> but we kind of chuckle because, but some of us, that's kind of what we grew up with. That's how we do business. That's how our families were. That's like, as long as you know, you do the sacraments or you do the things at church or you sing the right worship or you do this thing, you can just be a jerk uh, throughout. No, and, and the Bible teaches that. It's like, no, 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 no. If I'm gonna be right with God, I gotta treat you as one of his image bearers. I'm just glad that wasn't me. I figured I kicked the bucket off the, the stage. So this idea that a thing that is just my issue in scripture is completely foreign. And so the Bible says, when I've wronged you, I've also kind of, I've kind of been unfaithful to God and now I'm guilty. So like, now what? It's like, well, good news is God gave us two, say two, simple. simple, two simple things. He's like, when that happens and it will all the time, here's what you do. He says, first, he says, I want you to confess the sin. Now we defined sin in a series a couple months ago as when I miss the mark, when I cross the line, and when I lose my way. Sin doesn't mean God hates me and I'm gonna get struck down by lightning. I think we established last week that if that's what God wanted to do, he would have already done it by now and you'd be gone. Sin is just missing the way, or missing my mark, losing my way and crossing lines. So when I do that, I must confess the sin, one. Two, I must make full restitution for the wrong and add one-fifth to it to the person they have wronged. He's saying, confess it and make restitution or make it right. So I wanna break these two words really, really quickly down. So our first word is confession, this word confess. I told you I was gonna teach you two Hebrew words. They're really fun to say. The first word is this word confess comes from the Hebrew yad ha. Say yad ha. Yad ha. Now remember in this culture, words didn't have definitions. They had feelings, they had pictures, they had imagery and they had meaning. They had, uh, they had, um, they emoted. And so it's so different than our culture, but this idea of confess, this word yadha literally means to cast out, to throw out or to speak with uh, or to speak out. Now, if you break it down in the Latin and the English, this word confess, con means with, C-O-N, con is with, if you know Spanish, that's it's, it's the translation. And fess means to agree with or fess up. And so literally what the word confession at its easiest understanding is, I'm going to agree with the reality of what just happened. Think about it. When I use a tone with my wife, I'm gonna use a simple example. I can either justify it because I had a rough life, rough day, you know, the, 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 you know, we broke the bank, we broke the stuff, I had a bad day and I can give all, or I can agree with the reality that I spoke in a way that was not honoring and cherishing. So every time I confess, I'm not demeaning myself, I'm actually validating the impact of the action on the person it happened to. I'm just agreeing that happened, you know, oh, that just happened, it did just happen. So I'm gonna confess it. And there is so much power in confession. And here's the crazy thing about the Hebrews. They literally believed, and I have found this to be true. In fact, I just had this conversation with somebody today. They believe that when I speak it out, and you have to say it, that when I speak it out, I'm literally throwing it off or casting it out. I am literally getting the weight and getting the shame and getting the guilt off of me. And so many of us, ready for this, are so weighed down and we're so confused because we are so stinking prideful. We won't just agree. I was a butthead right there. 
And instead we concoct this amazing story of how it was all on you and your fault. And if you were more this and I, you cared. And, and rather than just be like, hey, I did that. That sucked. I hate that I did that. I'm so sorry. Guess what? <sighs> and it has a profound impact on the person you say that to. Oh, you know, I, I, married couples, we just fight all the time. I always love to ask, when was the last time either of you apologized? What, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Because <laughs> fighting is about being right and confessing is just, I'm going to get rid of it. So God, the Bible says there's confess it, confession. And this is good news because we're going to get right with each other. We're going to get right with God. And then he says, uh, in verse seven, he says, then we're going to go make restitution. Now, if you look at that word restitution, it's the same Hebrew word as the word repent. And the, it's this word, uh, it's, it says, it's this word teshuva. Say teshuva. So yad ha and teshuva. Yad ha and teshuva. I'm going to yad ha and then I'm going to teshuva. And teshuva literally means to make amends, to head back in the right direction or to return to how things should be. See, again, God in his broken world gave us this template to go, when you mess up, I just need you to agree. You need to humble yourself and agree that you messed up. You need to acknowledge it to the one that you messed up with as, as, as innocent as it may have been or as gnarly as it was. And if you do that, and then you follow it up with returning it to the way things should be of, I'm so sorry that happened. What can I do to make it right? Church, this will change your relationships, but most of us won't do it. And we got a bunch of good fancy reasons why, but it will revolutionize. There is so much freedom, even freedom from, some of you, you struggle with, I gotta get it right, I gotta get it right, perfection and shame and guilt. You know what I found freedom in? I don't have to get it right because I've gotten really good at, I'm sorry, how can I make it up to you? I'm sorry, how can I make it right? I'm sorry, how can I make this? I didn't mean for that, I, I own that. How can I make it right for you? Because the Bible has given me an out. I don't, have a, I don't have an expectation of perfection. I have an expectation that when I'm always imperfect that I do confess and I do repent. And now we can go back to the way things were and we can just play cards or go to the boat or, or play golf or whatever. And, and now it's not a big thing. And it's like, well, we had this thing we didn't really talk about. It. And this is why we have to talk in tension moments. I remind people all the time, young people and leaders, that discomfort is not a sign that something is wrong. It just means maybe a little bit of confession and repentance needs to happen. Are you with me? So I want you to think about this. So simple. We're going to start to promise, like land the plane in a little bit. I want you to think about this. If confession means to cast off, to throw out, to literally rid yourself of, absolve the responsibility and the weight of, is there anything that you brought in here with you tonight that as we take communion in a few minutes, you need to get rid of? Is there any sin, any shame, any guilt, any secret that you've been carrying that maybe, just maybe, instead of carrying the weight of the world, and that's why there's so much anxiety and depression, I just can't get it. Maybe you could confess it to a loving God, begin the amends process, and what if you walked out of here free? Because Galatians chapter five, which we did a whole series on a few months ago, is all about freedom, and there's a list of things that freedom looks like, and there's a list of things that freedom doesn't look like. It's a great study this week, Galatians 5. Acts of the sinful nature, slavery. Fruits of the spirit, freedom. Is there anything you're carrying around? Is there anything you brought in here that you're ready to let go of? Have you wronged somebody and you've been doing everything you can to avoid making amends because gosh darn it, it just hurts your pride and ego. What if you died to that for a moment and you could restore your relationship or begin to restore your relationship with that person and hence feel the closeness to God that you've been dying to feel for so long? Come on, somebody. Amen. But sometimes we stuff it, right? 
We don't want to deal with it. We don't like conflict. We pretend it didn't happen. We move on. We get busy. We forget. We fail to acknowledge what happened. And so I want to take you to one other portion of scripture of what happens when we don't deal with it. And I'm going to go to Psalms. Psalms was, this Psalm was written by King David. King David was one of the greatest kings of Israel, but he also was one of the biggest bozos. Uh, He messed up big time. Yet the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. And he writes this right after probably his most heinous moment. What he has done is he's seen a pretty woman. He uh, lusts after her. He takes her to bed. He uses his power. He has an affair with this woman. He has other wives. She has a husband. Her husband is one of his friends and his captain, Uriah. And so they have sex and they think they get away with it, but she gets pregnant. And the way they cover up is rather than fess up, he sends Uriah to the front line knowing he would get killed. So cheated on, had already had a bunch of wives. Don't know what the problem was. And he is being now, and now the prophet comes in and he's like, hey, you did this. And he's like, oh my gosh, I did. And he is broken, he's honest. And he has this moment. And right after that, he writes this Psalm, Psalm 32. And this is so profound. Watch what David says. And this is why confession is so important. I hope we get this as a church. It'll just change the dynamic in our community. Because for a while it was inside. And if it's inside, it just kills you. It eats you. So watch what David says. He says, Psalm 31, one and two. He says, I'm sorry, Psalm verse, uh, chapter 32. He says, blessed. When you see that word blessed, it's like fortunate or, or, or blessed. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed, he says, goes on to say, is the one in whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. What he's saying, no deceit, he's saying, I'm being really brutally, uncomfortably honest with what's really happening in my soul and in my spirit. He says, fortunate is that man. He says, fortunate is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. David has just had an affair and committed murder and the whole country watched him do it. And God forgave him. So he knows how to write this stuff. And he's like, hey, if you've blown it, if you think you're too far gone, if you think you have made too many mistakes for God to ever love you or use you or you to be right again, he's like, I could probably go toe to toe with any mistake you've made. I killed more people. I had more wives. Like I've done it. And yet God calls me his friend and a man after his own heart because I get it. So if you carry that in, there is a biblical example of a man who did it the right way, uh, did it the wrong way all through his life, but found God in the middle of it because of what we're talking about. No, he says, He says, blessed is the one who there's no seat, no deceit, no lies, no masks, no pretending, no two-faced. Because see, here's what David knew. See, sin is like carrying around a weight that your soul was never meant to carry. In fact, sin is carrying around a weight you can't really keep carrying. The longer you hold it, The longer you carry it, the heavier it gets, the more weighed down you get, the more you sin, the more they keep adding weight to each side. And as I was putting this together, this was the picture I got. And I felt like God so lovingly gave me the picture of this is how so many of us feel when we go through our work week or our day or come into church and we're just like, oh, this is like my soul. Just like, I don't This is the picture of undealt with sin. And sin doesn't mean God hates you. Sin is just a weight. Church, church, sin is just a weight you don't have to carry. But you will continue to carry it as long as you keep it inside. How do I know that? Well, I'm gonna take a break for a second. (laughs) 
Watch what David says next in verse three. He says, I know about sin and I know about secrets. Watch this. He says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Watch the pictured imagery he uses about secret kept in held in sin. He says, verse four, he says, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the summer's heat. He's saying, when I kept it in, when I didn't acknowledge it, when I blamed somebody else, when I excused it, I, it was like a 150 degree day. My, I rotted, my soul rotted, my, my, the, the, the muscles of my soul got weak. I, was, I thought to myself, how much longer can I live this way? How much longer can I go on this way? I'm miserable, I'm exhausted. This is the worst feeling. I hate, when I go to bed, I think about it. When somebody, I'm usually good because I've numbed it, but then somebody will bring up a certain word or I'll see a certain thing and I'm being reminded of a habit or a thing or a secret I'm hiding or, or this thing I'm so ashamed of or I might've got prayed for once, but I don't know that I'm forgiven. And I'm, I'm just so tired. And this is, I think, a picture of some of our souls today. By the way, I play and this is really heavy, but I'm willing to pay the price if you would allow yourself to be free this weekend. He says, I just got sapped, I rotted. Because you know what David knew? Secrets take a phenomenal amount of energy. Secrets take a phenomenal amount of emotional energy. He said, my bones wasted away. But see, here's the beautiful thing. What do we do when our past mistakes and our bad attitudes and our habits and the stuff we don't want our spouses or our kids to know or our bosses find. What do we do when this is the case? If only there was a way to get rid of this. Well, guess what? 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and lived a perfect life. And he died willingly. And he didn't stay dead. He conquered death and hell and the grave. He kicked death and the devil in the face. And he came back and he said, anybody who wants real life, you can find it in me. And because of that, I have now absolved, I've given forgiveness for all sins. So because of that, forgiveness is now offered freely all the time for all sin of all humanity of all kind. Jesus basically came to say, you don't gotta carry that anymore. To which we should go, praise God, liberation. But then why then when I pray, and why then when I got saved and why when I go to church do I feel the weight? Because there's two things you still need to do. You gotta confess it. It said, notice it says, you forgave the guilt. Go to verse five. Then I acknowledged my sin. Once I acknowledged it, you did not cover it up. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And watch what it says. You forgave the guilt. God, I, I messed up. I've been looking at stuff. I, I've, been, I've been secretly having a relationship. I've been hiding money. I have this addiction. Once I start confessing and I say, hey, let me just be honest about the reality. Oh, oh. This is what David said. When I confessed it, when I got real about my situation and I said, I'm in need of a savior and I can't carry this anymore. When I confessed it, it says you, it doesn't say you forgave my sin. It says you forgave the guilt, the weight. Sin and secrets are a weight we were never meant to carry in our soul. What are you carrying? How many days, how many years, how many decades have some of you been walking around like this in your soul? And God is saying, when you speak something out, when you agree it's true, and then you ask and acknowledge your need for forgiveness, you literally drop the weight. 
I would have dropped the weight, but it would have went through the stage. He said, I confessed it and you forgave me. This is why, again, James, Jesus' brother, says it this way. In James chapter 5, he says, here's the secret. He said, I'm going to tell you the same thing Numbers said, same thing Jesus said. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It doesn't mean so we can be forgiveness. Forgiveness is already there at the cross, but I have to be humble enough to acknowledge my need for forgiveness and say, hey, I got somebody I need to tell something to. I was just having lunch with some guys today and there was a man who was going through a dark time last year and he was really struggling with some pretty dark stuff. And he was telling these two other friends, he says, man, I'll tell you about a year ago, I sat down with Pastor Corey at lunch and I confessed. He said, I told him all the stuff I was hiding. And he goes, it's the craziest thing. He goes, after I told him, I felt free and I haven't struggled with it in the last nine months. That's, that's the picture of what happens. And it was, it was soul weighty stuff. And he was encouraging these friends. I said, I can't believe you just said that. I'm gonna preach that in like four hours. And he was like, it was literally him going, oh my gosh, I just didn't know. All I have to do is cast it out. I got to get it out. And I have to go, if, did I wrong anybody in the process? How can I make it right? What do we got to do to get better? And what happens is you rack that weight and you begin to rejuvenate your soul and you experience healing and forgiveness and grace. And it's just this breath of fresh air. The idea of confession applies to the junk in our lives. This week's heavy, literally. The deepest, the darkest, the shame. How can I stand? Some, people, some people ask me, how can you stand up there and like just tell on yourself and tell us all the crazy stuff you've done? Because I do this all the time. I understand that I'm not defined by my sin. I'm defined by what Jesus did for me at the cross and my identity is in him. And so I don't need your approval. I just want you to know that you can be free and I'm gonna come back to the cross every single day. And I have men in my life and people in my life and a wife who I am very honest with and I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging the reality of the situation and I'm quick, I try to be quick to go, how can I make it right? Confession and repentance will liberate your soul. It applies to the junk in our lives. Some of it applies confession to the past stuff that still hurts and it wasn't even our fault, but it still affects how you live now. Until we spew it out, we're not really free of it. The, the best visual I could give you of confession, it's literally verbally vomiting. I don't know if you ever had this moment where you're just so sick and you vomit all over everything and everyone and you make a mess and everybody's like, oh, it stinks and it's terrible. You're like, oh, but I feel so much better now. <laughs> Your soul gets that when you acknowledge the reality, when you confess and you repent. Yadha, teshuva. Maybe today you came to church. Maybe you're watching from somewhere. And this is the moment you can just get out of that junk and you don't have to carry the weight anymore. Some of you, you've been carrying this for far too many decades. Let's rack the weight and let's live in freedom, church. And so we're gonna take communion in a moment. And as we do, if you're at home, I want you to participate with this. Before we take communion together, I'm gonna have the band come and here's what we're gonna do. They're gonna play loud enough so that you can whisper or say some things and nobody's gonna hear you because some of you need to. And if you need to go to the back of the room or the front of the room or find a spot, listen, this is not to be entertained. Some of you, your life could change forever today if you got rid of some stuff. And so we're gonna take communion at the very end, but I wanna give you a minute or two to do some soul searching and ask you the question, is there some junk you need to get rid of? Is there some weight you're carrying around? Maybe you could just get it out. This is, see, the Holy Spirit is our healer and our counselor, and he wants to do this for you. Confession is key so we can get it out. Repentance is key. Because if it's a sin or a pattern or a choice, we begin to turn around, we begin to turn away and we go back to the way things are meant to be. 
Confession and repentance, remember, are the key to maintaining a, self, a, a healthy soul. So here's the question. I want you to think about it. I want you to pray. I could not preach this message and not create space for us to respond. We're, we're gonna be done on time or early. We got plenty of time. I don't want you just to hear another message, but I want you to play. I believe some of you, you could leave some stuff at the cross, at the altar, at your chair, literally get it out and know that as David says, as I confess my sin, I found forgiveness. And then maybe begin that journey of restoration, restitution, repentance. What's the junk inside that you need to get out? I want you to take a couple minutes and think about this. And as stuff comes up to you, permission to do whatever you need to do, to speak it out, get it out. Bring it in here, but don't take it out with you. Leave it at the feet of Jesus. It's what he came for. So I'm going to have them play, and you guys are going to have a couple minutes with this question and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then we'll celebrate communion together in just a couple moments. did that because the Bible teaches before you take communion you're to search your soul so my question for us is there some junk you need to get out today when you leave is there a wrong you need to begin to write is there an I'm sorry text you need to start an email a letter a phone call a distant friend I said at the beginning this is so simple but it's really hard if you do it I will make you this promise. You will be liberated in your soul. You will feel right with God and you will see transformation in your relationships. Is there a secret you need to speak out to someone? 
Or some of you, you're so tired of carrying a secret for so long. Drop the weight. Get it out. Be free of it. Implement this in your regular routine and watch yourself spiritually become all you were meant to be. You were called to be free. Jesus came for freedom. That's why he came. He only wants you to be free. And so one of the ways we do this is we confess and repent. We're going to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to celebrate next week. But I wanted to do communion today, this weekend. And this is us remembering Jesus' blood and his body that he broke, his body that was broken and his blood that was given sacrificially, voluntarily. Why? So we did not have to carry the guilt and the sin of our mistakes. This is the why of confession and repentance. And so if you're physically able, I'd love to invite you to stand up wherever you're at. We'll take this together. If you can't stand, that's fine. Stay seated. If you're at home, grab something. If you don't have cracker and juice, get creative. Grab a banana and a water bottle. I don't care. (laughs) Jesus is okay with it, I promise. If you're here and you're hearing this, and you're not only carrying around some stuff, but you're like, man, pastor, I've never even experienced salvation. I've never, I've never given him control. I've been carrying this stuff. I've been trying to fix it and solve it and it keeps getting worse. As we do this, I just want you in your heart and your mind to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. The Bible says when we confess him as Lord, he comes in and he begins to rebirth. We begin the spiritual rebirth. Our favorite thing to do is introduce, introduce people to Jesus. Almost every weekend, somebody starts their faith journey here and we'd love to welcome you to the family of God. If you do that, there's a, a number I'm gonna put behind me. You can text and we'll help you with that journey. But for the rest of us, Let's remember and celebrate what Jesus did so that when we come into moments like this, we can walk out and be free. The night Jesus died, he took the bread and he said, this represents my body given on behalf of your mistakes. Every time you do it, remember me. Let's remember Jesus as we take this. And in a like fashion, he took the cup and he passed it around. He says, everybody take it and drink. This represents my body that's about to be shed on behalf of the remission of all of the times you blow it, you miss the mark, you cross the line and you lose your way. Remember that I didn't just do this so you would owe me. I did it so you could be free and not carry that weight anymore. And every time you do it, let's celebrate the freedom and forgiveness that Jesus offered through his blood. Let's remember Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful story of redemption through Jesus. God, I pray that there are people who would walk out of your change as they begin a lifestyle of confession and repentance. If there's anybody who, here who carried some really dark, weighty stuff, I pray that they would leave it here at the cross. They would get it out. God, that you would give us strength and courage to go begin the teshuva, the restoration, the repenting and making it right. And God, I pray that as we do that, we would experience liberation in our soul. We would experience a closeness to you and we would experience transformation in our relationships. God, I thank you that you are not just with us when we gather in church, but you are in us. We are temples of your Holy Spirit and you go with us everywhere we go. So God, I pray that we wouldn't just hear this this week, but we would apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.